Hello, my friend. Before we get into the Hairstylist Rising podcast, I have to tell you a secret. I just launched a brand new podcast called The Visionary Rising. You are going to love this new podcast if you're ready for beyond the basics marketing, business, mindset, and visibility for creative entrepreneurs, including hairstylists, educators, coaches, photographers, and online business owners. And Hairstylist Rising will remain a place where you can listen in on conversations with industry leaders, whereas the actual marketing and mindset lessons from yours truly will mostly exist over on the new show. So make sure you go follow wherever you're listening to this podcast. The Visionary Rising was born because I realized that although we come from similar backgrounds in terms of a lot of us being hairstylists, we need to stop seeing ourselves just as our job description and start seeing ourselves for who we truly are. In my community, I realized the thing we have in common isn't just the beauty industry. It's that we are visionaries, we are creatives with heart, we have so much purpose and a burning desire to make a huge impact. We want to build businesses that give us the lifestyles that we dream about and also start a ripple effect for our clients and communities. Now, here's the fun thing. I've actually created a bunch of bonus content for you, and all you have to do is hit subscribe on the Visionary Rising podcast over on your favorite podcast player and leave a rating so I can see what you think. Then just send me a DM and DM me a screenshot over on Instagram on the brand new page, The Visionary Rising, and we'll send your bonus goodies over. I am so excited for you to listen into this new show. We have just dropped three incredible episodes to celebrate our launch. So pause this, go check out The Visionary Rising, and we can get into today's episode. You're listening to the Hairstylist Rising podcast. Here, we talk about creating a career you love. We go deep into mindset, marketing, business, and life as a hairstylist. I'm your host, Jody Brown, a hairstylist veteran turned branding and marketing mentor for ambitious, inspired beauty pros like you. On this podcast, we share the real stories of leaders within the beauty industry and actionable trainings that leave you with the tools and guidance that will inspire you to build your best life as a hairstylist. From branding, business, and marketing to mindset, life, and finding fulfillment, no topic is off limits here. Get ready to be educated and inspired. This is the Hairstylist Rising Podcast. Hi, Haley. Welcome to the Hairstylist Rising Podcast. I'm really excited to have you. Oh, thank you. I'm excited to be here. I'm, I've been really thrilled, actually, about finally connecting with you. I think the work that you're doing in the beauty industry is really important. So I'm, I'm really excited to talk with you about it today. And oh, typically, my first question would be asking about your journey. But since our topic is just something I think is really important today, we're going to save that for a second. And I'm going to ask you first, if you can describe what is burnout for hairstylists that's a good question <laughs> so I actually do a course called burnout and boundaries and I start it out with this is what burnout is folks and yeah. everyone goes oh I've got that um and so burnout for hairdressers I think I describe burnout in this way I think it's on a spectrum you know it really goes from tired and fed up Mm -hmm. to I'm not really functioning like I used to you know I, I've been burnt out in my life where I didn't work I stopped working for a little bit 
and I moved back in with my parents, you know, so that level of couldn't take care of myself, I'd let it go really bad. Whereas I think about burnout as mental and physical exhaustion, but also there's another side to it and it's kind of like loss of hope. It's like a spiritual exhaustion or it's just like, it's a difference than just being really fed up. It's just like you can't see things being any different. You sort of lose hope. That's the best way I can describe it. And so it's like the sort of tired that sleep can't sort. It's, and I sort of say this, you know, the first signs I think are you feel resentful. So you might be resentful of your clients, you know, like, what do you mean you want your hair done? Knackered, you know, and it's like yeah. there's a resentfulness and there's a joylessness that comes where you don't like your work anymore. Uh, when your friends are like, do you want to come for dinner? You're like inconvenienced by that. Right. I've got time for fun. Yeah. My life's yeah. so hard. And so for me, I always say to people that joylessness and resentfulness are really good red flags. That's, yeah, that's a yeah. really great way of putting it, actually, because I think sometimes when I've heard the word burnout in the past, I definitely thought it was like, you know, being really, really tired. But um, hearing you describe it that way, I think, yeah, definitely been there. And it is much different than just being exhausted. So you've lost yeah. your passion, you know? And I always say this, like years ago, people would say, oh, she's had a breakdown. Mm. Like, I never hear people say that anymore. <laughs> it's not no. a thing. No. Um, now people go, oh, she's burnt out. And so I do think there's a real similarity. And I sort of think about it like this. When people say she's had a breakdown, I sort of think of that as there's a lot of stuff in your personal life going on and you're not coping. And I think burnout is the same, but it's generally got a connection to work. I think it became a popular way of describing being overwhelmed with work. Right. Yeah, no. Less degrees. That makes a lot of sense, yeah. actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think burnout is a word in a way. You know, it's become a more polite word for a breakdown because I would definitely say that in my 20s, I would call, I called that a breakdown at the time. Well, like, eventually I did because I'd never heard the word burnout. It wasn't a thing. Yeah, no, especially in this industry, I feel like, cause I, I've been in, so I've been probably just over 15 years now since I got licensed mm -hmm. and it's a very new conversation. I feel like. I do. And I think everyone when described the symptoms as like, oh yeah, I've had that or mm -hmm. I'm, I'm in that, but we didn't really have words for it. You know, it was just like, I'm sick of it. Totally. Um, I'm tired. I don't like this anymore. You know, the dread of going to work. And I think it's like that soul crushing feeling where you just don't want to go. Yeah. And the absolute joy and love of the job is gone. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No. And I think I've definitely been there. <laughs> so, okay. Let's just backtrack a little bit here. Can you just tell my listeners a bit about your background and your journey in the industry? Like, how did you get to the place where you found your passion helping other stylists with burnout? Yeah, it's it's, it's an interesting story, really. Someone described my um, relationship with hairdressing like a bad boyfriend once, and I thought, oh, that's so true. It's quite funny. <laughs> I was in and out of my relationship with hairdressing from the beginning, really, because I remember my very first job well, not my first one. One of my second jobs as an assistant, I was like, oh, this is awful. I'm leaving. And I was out of there. I thought, 
this industry is not for me. The culture's insane. People don't get breaks. You know, I was in before the stylists. I was out after they left. If they decided to take an extra client, I was expected to stay and work. You know, I just thought this is crazy. And so Tony and Guy came to town and offered me a job because they needed colorists. And I was like, no, I'm not really interested in hairdressing. It's not for me. And they kind of convinced me to come. And I was like, okay, I'll give it a go. And then I realized this could be a good career. And so then I was in. And so I was like 21 around this time. And then I stayed in hairdressing for a long time. I mean, it's 29 years. I gave up a year ago. So I've been in the industry 30 years now. I'm that old. And around about when I was 35, so about 11 years ago, I was probably what you might think of as the top of my game. I was a busy colorist. I was earning good money. I was in a great salon and I just hated it. <laughs> I was so unhappy. Wow. And I, I think in your 30s is a real time where you go, am I going to do this for the rest of my life? Mm-hmm. Like people come to me for coaching. I'm like, how old are you? And they're always early 30s. It's the time when you review. And so around this time, I just thought, this is, I'm not doing this till I'm 68, no chance. And I was in therapy at the time because I was depressed. And I've been depressed on and off since my teenagers. And so I went off and got some therapy and that was all great. And I was in therapy for a good few years. And even as I sort of got better myself mentally, my love for hairdressing wasn't back. And so I said to my therapist one day, how do I learn to do what you do? She told me how you do it. And and it was so funny because you could pay monthly. And that was really what cinched it for me. (laughs) Because I was like, you can pay monthly. That's amazing. And so that's what I did. I retrained to be a therapist because I wanted out of hairdressing. And I trained for four years part time alongside working behind the chair full time. uh, Burnt myself out lovely. And then I quit. And I was like, bye, I'm never coming back. I'm not in love with this. And I went off and I worked as a therapist for about four years. And uh, I loved it. And I still like that work. However, what was interesting to me was that I got really lonely as a therapist. Um, I was like, where's the banter? Where's the staff room? I was working in a school and I kind of worked on my own and the teachers didn't want to talk to me. I think they thought I could read the mind. And it was just bizarre. And I found it really lonely work. And then around this time, someone asked me to um, please come and do a day for them in their salon because they were desperate for a colorist. And I said, okay, I'll do a day. And I thought that might readdress the balance. And it really did. And I did that for a year. And what I discovered in this time, this is when all the epiphanies came. Mm. I didn't hate it anymore. I found people much easier to deal with. My anxiety was a lot lower around people and stress it just wasn't the same and I kind of realized that I'd learned a lot as a therapist that was serving me really really well as a hairdresser and I remember thinking hairdressers need to know about this and I started writing my first workshop and it was based on a little presentation I'd done in therapy school about hairdressing Uh, and so that's the I teach that workshop still it's still my most popular workshop And around this time, I made a decision to quit being a therapist and go back into hairdressing full time because I was happier, which was bizarre to me, Jodie. I was literally like, how has this happened? What a waste of money being a therapist was. And this is what I did. But then and so that's how it started. You know, I wrote a couple of workshops. I tried them out on some hairdressing friends. Then I tried them out on a salon with a woman I'd met on Instagram. I was like, can I come to your salon and try this workshop out? And she was like, yeah. And that's how it took off, you know? And so it really was built from the ground up. I just didn't want hairdressers 
this is what I saw the problem as. Hairdressers don't think things will be different anywhere else, so they leave the industry. We yeah, just quit. Yeah. You know, and I've watched many, many talented hairdressers quit, including myself many times yeah. because they were sick of it and the culture's too hard and burnout and all the things and dealing with people is difficult. And I was, I thought that was a really sad side of our industry that we work so hard to become so skilled and then just quit. Yeah. And then can often end up in quite unskilled jobs because mm-hmm. we all just think what am I going to do now I'm just going to go and work in the chemist or on a till and I just thought it was sad and I wanted to do something about that and that's literally how it was born yeah and I went sort of public with my business four months before the first lockdown okay wow that is such an interesting story and you know it's funny hearing you talk about getting in and out of the hair industry and being like what's going on here but I actually think maybe that's something that is normal. You know, having your passions change a little bit. Yeah. And I think that yeah. Well, what I think, I know a group of women, actually all over the show. <laughs> I have a group of women in the UK that I talk to, a group of women in America that I talk to. And a lot of us found a way to stay in the hairdressing industry and not be behind the chair. Yeah. You know, and so I'm doing mental health workshops for hairdressers. A friend of mine teaches social media for hairdressers. You do something similar. You know, it's that thing of hairdressers become a much more complex job. I think we can stay in the industry and really pivot because I like the industry. Um, and I liked doing hair. I, I quit doing hair actually because my back went, not because I didn't like it. I'd actually got my business to this perfect place. Yeah. You know, I wasn't yeah. burnt out. My boundaries were amazing. My clients were a dream. I was working great hours. And then my products, my desk for about the fourth time and thought, oh, we're done, aren't we? Yeah. And so I had to quit. But I'm grateful I can stay in the industry because I like hairdressers. You know, yes. I love hairdressers. They're so funny. Oh man, I'm in exactly the same spot. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I actually, I don't think I've talked about this before on my podcast, but I, I have stepped away from behind the chair a few times. One was definitely, you know, the classic toxic salon environment leading to burnout thing. Didn't realize that that's what it was at the time, but I've also always found a way to stay in the industry. So sales was one avenue for a distributor that I went down. Become a rat. I thought that was a good one. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then you're like, oh, I thought behind the chair burnout was bad. But yeah, same reason. I actually didn't step away this last time because of burnout either. It was more just the calling to help hairdressers because I love the industry so much. It it feels different, I think, when you step away for when you step into a a position in the industry that you really love, at least for me. Well, I feel like I've stepped into something. I'm not running away from something. Uh, And there's a difference, you know. Uh, I was definitely running away before, whereas now I kind of wanted to stay. I actually love the job I've created for myself. I think it's the perfect balance where I'm I'm in the I'm with the people I like because I love the staff room. Hairdressers are funny, you know, like I really and so I get to talk to hairdressers every day now, but I love using my brain as a therapist. Yeah. I really enjoy that. And so I'm not a therapist for hairdressers. That's not quite what I do. I'm a coach. Or an educator, I don't know, I bounce, a mentor, who knows. Um, it's a big business card. But I like having those conversations around 
looking after themselves and dealing with difficult people and all that stuff. Well, I think that's such a great side of the industry to be, you know, championing and helping people kind of almost address all of these issues before they have to step away from a job that they love. So exactly that, because I just think it's just sad to watch people leave because they're burnt out and they're talented. You see, there's an unfairness there I can't stand. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think if you step away because of those types of reasons, it's going to be harder to find fulfillment elsewhere. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's like not really addressing things head on. But I think sometimes, particularly as an employed stylist, you can feel like you have no power. Like I've certainly had periods in my life where I felt I had no power over anything, you know? And I think... I mean, in this country, particularly at the moment, there's a real exodus of people going towards self-employment. Here too, um, for sure. Yeah, you know, it's not it's not uncommon that people are self-employed here, but a lot of people, they're getting chalets in their back gardens and setting up little salons. It's like an epidemic at the moment. And I think a lot of people are doing that because of the burnout culture and them feeling like they have no control over it. Yeah. And I, I feel the industry is changing. I think we're in a moment of mass change. I agree. I agree. It's almost like that new school versus old school of salon leadership. Because I talk to a lot of salon owners who are on the forefront, who are like investing in their staff and really conscious of like helping them grow and all this kind of stuff. But there's still a huge, huge, Mm -hmm. probably majority that aren't. So yeah, they don't hire me. Those ones, do they? <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't hire me either. <laughs> They're not really interested in what I've got to say. Um, no, it's quite funny. But do you know what I do? I I only really meet brilliant salon owners. Because they're the folks that hire me. They're like, yeah, this is what the people need. And they want their staff to be productive, but they do want them to feel good and have a life. Uh, And obviously, I talk to a lot of self-employed people as well. But Mm -hmm. I feel like this about the industry at the minute. This is why I keep saying to my friends. I feel like we've thrown all the cards up in the air and we don't know where they're going to land. I really don't. That's how I think about it. That's a really great visual, actually. So... That kind of this kind of segues into a question that I wanted to ask you today. So, what is your advice for stylists who are working? Like, if they're listening to this and they're like, "Okay, I'm definitely heading towards that burnt out," or "I'm there," but I'm still working in an environment that I don't have control over my schedule, Mm -hmm. over you know what's expected. What's your advice for those stylists who are listening who are probably most at risk for wanting to just ditch the industry altogether because they feel trapped yeah it's really interesting I've been that hairdresser and so I really wrote my first course at Call Manage Mood for employed stylists because I was like how can I help those people who can't change a lot and you know so my course isn't the answer I'm giving you here at all I'm going to talk about a conversation I had with my therapist once, or one of my therapists once, and I was talking about, I was a real person who always wanted to try and change the culture. So whenever I was in a culture I didn't like in a salon, I would really, I would like to point out to people that it wasn't brilliant, which made me really unpopular with managers and owners, because I was a bit like a union leader. But I used to just think, yeah, but if you just did this, it would be better. And my therapist said to me one day, yeah, I mean, you could do that, but you could just leave. 
And I was like, what? What do you mean? <laughs> I sort of didn't think that was an option. I, I, honestly, it's so bizarre when I look back. But when I was younger, I, I, I just have this thing. Well, I had this thing about myself where I thought you could improve everything. You know, and so I was a bit of a rescuer, you know, a bit of a fixer upper, you know, all of that. And I essentially think you have to decide this. If if you're in a salon that you think this culture's not for me, what you have to do is, first of all, realize that you can't, you're free, you're a free person. You can go and try it somewhere else. You have to decide, is it possible to change where I am or is that too big a battle for me? Right. That's what I think, because sometimes as a 20 year old, you just don't have the power to change a whole salon's culture. Yeah. You know, and what it took me a really long time to realize is that there's different cultures in different salons. And just because the one you're in doesn't work doesn't mean another one won't. But I just thought they were all the same. And that was the mistake I made because I never left until things were really bad because I presumed everywhere was the same. Does that make sense? Oh, 100%. You know, I'm actually nodding my head because I, I'm relating to a lot of what you're saying. And I definitely have been there in the past. So, I mean, yeah. how do you avoid, I guess, jumping out of the fire or out of the frying pan into the fire? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, how do you, if you do find that, because I think that's a fear, right? Because it is all yeah. the same so not it isn't all the same but I mean if that's your fear that it would be all the same like is there anything I know I'm asking you for a lot of detail here but is there anything that you can even look for when you're looking for a for a new salon home if you since you work with a lot of salon owners like do you see a common thread in salon owners and salon environments that really do care for their employees like well-being and mental health yeah I mean the first thing I would say is ask some good questions you know when you're on the interview and they say have you got any questions and you're like no yeah I do have a list of questions and I would be asking scenarios like what happens in this scenario what happens you know in my previous salon I found this a problem of, of the culture I would just lay it out. <laughs> I really would in hindsight. Just ask the questions because you know what? You'll either get a smile or a frown and you'll know if you're in the right place. I, I talked to a lot of salon owners and I developed a course called Lead from the Heart. And it was for a lot of deal with different problems. Like they have um, wobbly boundaries with staff and stuff and that's how they get burnt out. Right. But I have this section where I talk about culture. And so I'm encouraging salon owners to create a culture that they love. Mm-hmm. And then I talk to them about when you're interviewing people, tell them about the culture that you're, you're creating and then say to them, do you think that's a good fit for you? And so in some ways, I want the people, the stylists going for the jobs to be doing the same. Yeah. Well, because I think that if you do ask a question and that because I I think probably the reason that when we are asked, do you have any questions? It's almost like this uncomfortable thing because, because of the power dynamic. Right. So I think that by like asking those questions, if that triggers the person who's interviewing you or that gets a negative response, that's probably a good indicator in itself. You You know, you really got your answer, didn't you? And I think that a lot of the good salon owners that I know if you went to them for an interview, they would tell it, they'd be telling you what was good for you. 
this is what we will give you and this is what we expect this is what I say is from lay all out I just think you can tell from the vibe but I would really ask the questions you want to know yeah yeah that's a really great answer thank you so much for sharing that all right another question that I wanted to ask you is if you are someone who is not just like noticing red flags but if you're someone who's just fully there you're burnt out you've lost your passion you aren't finding the joy in your work anymore Mm -hmm. do you think that's something that like is there anything that you can start doing to come back from that or is it something that's like once you're there it's almost too late no because I bounce back loads of times <laughs> okay, I, I was hoping you would say that <laughs> can you imagine if I was like no you've had it that's it yeah all I'm gonna tell you in coaches is you've had it yeah. no I think that um I think you've got to accept that that's where you are you know you've got to accept that like it's not working what you're doing chances are you've got too much responsibility as well you know, I think there's two things you want to look at. And I think it really depends on your age to some degree, this. Like in my 20s, when I was burnt out, I didn't have loads of responsibilities. I was in a toxic culture. And so you really need to have a look at the culture. But let's right. say the culture's not really bad. Let's say you're self-employed and you've created the culture. You've yeah. probably got too yeah. much responsibility and you're taking on too many clients. And so my advice for people is always this. What can you put down now? Like literally, what responsibilities can you stop doing immediately? Mm-hmm. And like do that. I say to people, like people turn up at, on, on my computer, like in bits, just really burnt out. Like they talk to me with their head and the hands going, I can't even cope. And I just say, I need you to get rid of every responsibility that you can and concentrate on the basics and the basics are sleeping right not do, you know not doing as many clients as you can doing as few clients as you can and keep your business afloat for a while and i and i i really want to emphasize for a while right you know right. this isn't you're going to have to do two clients a day for the rest of your life it's like you've really got to find a way to replenish your energy and your soul again yes. uh, and that yes. takes a little bit of space and then you can get back to working a full-time job um, and all the things, but you probably need to not have as many responsibilities for a short time. So I say this to people because they panic. I go, okay, what can you put down for a month? And they're like, oh, I can cope with that. And they'll say, well, you know, my husband could probably pick the kids up on a Thursday. That would make life easier. And I'm like, brilliant. I've been talking about getting a cleaner for about three years now. Yeah, get one. Um, we could probably, you know, they're like, oh, I could probably do this. And I'm like, yeah, all of that yeah, straight yeah. away. You need to start clawing energy back from wherever you can. And with every little bit of energy you get, you get enough fight in you to do the harder things like change your working hours, mm. <laughs> lose some clients, you know, the sorts of things that are harder. Yes. And so I'm all about put things down oh, and I put a time limit on it so that you don't panic. Right. Because people panic. I'm like, my business is going to fall to pieces. My husband's going to leave me. My kids are going to be sad. You know, whatever it is. It's like, it's just a month. Well, I think that's, 
that is such an important distinction too, because that's probably what's stopping people taking the action to actually help themselves is they're like, well, I can't sustain this. And we've got this funny thing, I think as people where we think every decision that we make has got to be a decision that's, that applies forever. Like, Oh, it's so funny. I used to do this. I used to argue with my therapist about what time we were going to have the appointment because I felt like that change of schedule, I really need to commit to it forever. And she was like, Hayley, it's just next week. Like, honestly, you can change it. And I was like, can I? But I felt like everything I was doing, I was what I was trying to achieve was the perfect balance. Yes. That's what I was yes. aiming for. And I was killing myself trying to do it. And it took me a long time to realise that that's a moving target. Oh, I'm so like 44. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm like, honestly, I'm like the the warning story. Honestly, it's like, listen to me and do the opposite of what I used to do. It took me a long time to realize that I've re- you got to look. Le- well, for me, I had to learn to roll with the punches a little bit more. Right. So I have a loose framework and then it's a bit flexible. That's kind of how I live. Mm hmm. I think that's really good. That's such a good way of framing it. And honestly, (laughs) you know, just going back to the perfect balance thing, I've so been there too. Particularly when Mm -hmm. I just went independent, I had a small child and I was like, like balance didn't feel like something that was exciting. It felt like this unattainable pressure. (laughs) It's It's the pressure to be perfect. Yes. Get it perfect. And you know, someone said to me, a good therapy friend of mine said to me once, good enough just has to be okay, Hayley. And I was like, what? (laughs) Um, But then that really changed my world when I realized that good enough, my good enough is pretty good. Yeah. (laughs) And that's all right. You know, amazing. Honestly, so so many things that transformed my brain. But also on the other side of that, with timeframes on things, I say things like this because sometimes people can misunderstand me and think that I'm like, oh, you can earn six figures on a three day week, you know, and all that. And I'm like, "Mm, you know, it's hard work, you know. You do, there is some work involved in earning money. The kind of boss babe attitude kind of winds me up a little bit. But I sort of I say this to people, okay, it's Christmas. You want to get some money in. You need to do a few. You want to do a few more hours. Mm-hmm. Do it. You know you don't have to hide from me from a month because you think I'm going to shout. Like <laughs> do it and decide that you're going to do it till January. Yeah. You know, like put and or like you decide you want to earn a bit more money because you want an extension on your house. So you're going to you know you're going to do an extra day for three months. You know, and put a timeline on and then revisit it. This is how I think. Yeah. So it's manageable. I actually heard you, I can't remember where, I think maybe I was watching like a live you were doing or an Instagram story. And I heard you say when we were talking, you were talking about coming back from the lockdowns in the UK mm-hmm. and about how, you know, you were talking to your clients and everyone was stressing because they're like, oh, like I, like they were, they were worried about what you'd say if they were, you know, adding an extra day and all that kind of stuff. And I mm-hmm. thought what you said was just the most like, sane balancing I'd heard I was like yes this is so good and you're like you know if you want to make up some of the extra money lost it's okay to add an extra day for a bit and it sounds so simple but I was like you know what there's probably so many people who had analysis paralysis and were like 
oh God, what's going to happen if I add an extra day and what's this? And like, everyone's going to expect this. And I was like, this is just, I love your approach because it just seems so balanced and so simple. And a lot of the time people are so scared of the simple answer and like the true answer because they're like, no, there's got to be more to it than that. Yeah. But it's also, I think people sometimes, because they hear these words, boundaries and things, and um, you're charging your worth and it's all being banged around so much on social media, they Mm -hmm. kind of are starting to feel that they should be doing a three-day week and they shouldn't be doing that. You know, and they're getting like nervous now um, about what's okay and what's not, you know, and I just think, you decide for you yeah I answer the messages at 11 at night because it yeah. suits me but I might not answer in working hours because <laughs> yeah. that suits me you know I choose my boundaries for and sure. I always say sure. you choose yours you know it's not what everyone else is doing you know if you want to work Sundays go work Sundays but I think sometimes we need permission to do things our way yep and uh, sometimes you need permission to do a few more hours. But I think it is that. I think the time limit is the key. Yeah. Because we feel like if we make a change, people will expect it forever. I think, yeah, the time limit, I think, is really, really smart. And also just acknowledging that different people, and not just different people, but you're going to have a different capacity at different times in your life. Like, oh, yeah. You know, and I, this is something I had to learn about myself is I'm someone who'd rather work almost in sprints and then have complete time off. Right. So the idea of four days of work, four days a week, 52 weeks a year to me feels like prison almost like, (laughs) so I would rather have, you know, different, like I'd rather have times where I'm working more, getting a lot done and feeling really good about those accomplishments. And then I can take some rest breaks. Whereas for other people that feels really stressful. So I think we all have different capacities. And like you said, leaning into what works for you, I think is a really just, again, it's simple. It's a very sane way of looking at it. And I love that. Well, it's practical, isn't it? You know, as well. And realistic. I think I'm very all or nothing as a person, really, particularly around work. And so self-employment suits me a treat. Um, And it's obviously much easier now I'm educating and coaching. Whereas behind the chair, you know, being all or nothing was hard because I had to work on the nothing days sometimes. Um, Yes. And I found the balance harder, Mm -hmm. you know, just how I am naturally was harder in a proper full-time job. Yeah, just was. Yes. If I'd have been, I was, I was only self-employed towards the end. But I think I sometimes talk to people. I was talking to this woman once, and she was saying like her childcare is a bit sporadic. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "But well, can you definitely do these days?" And we had this conversation. I said, "Why don't you say you definitely do three days a week, and sometimes you do four or five, and they're like bonus days, like Willy Wonka tickets, oh, and you so can have awesome. a waiting list, and you can just turn them on when you've got a babysitter." And people will be like, yes, please. That's because brilliant. she had enough clients. And she was like, can I do that? I was like, do whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's the time. Sort of flexi day. It feels like a prize if you got that appointment, wasn't it? Absolutely. Good for oh, I would been, love I'd that. Been booked in on them three days, yeah. but my friend would be the person on the wait list for the other days. You know, well, I thought it was clever. That is really clever, actually. And again, just like that great reminder that you can do 
what you want, basically. I think we're always looking for permission of like, well, did people do that? Can I do that? And it's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can try well, it. Right? Can, and then, any hairdressing Facebook group and there's people saying, how much do you charge for this? What hours do you do? What's the, what does everyone, you know, it's like everyone's always looking to other people yeah. for what's the norm. And I just think, you know, the world's different, I think, now. Not everyone's doing a nine to five. So many people are working from home and are much more flexible. And yeah. in my experience, towards the end of my career, my clients did not want to come on a Saturday. It was no. not my busiest day. They would do anything to avoid coming on a Saturday and losing family time. Yep, absolutely. So it's things are different, you know, and we can be brave. Absolutely. When I actually went back after my maternity leave, so my son's seven now. So it was only, yeah. I was behind the chair. And so I think it was, I don't think I worked any Saturdays aside a couple bridal Saturdays, but yeah. And people were fine with it. And it was interesting because a lot of the time, you know, and even evenings, like I cut down to one evening and then officially, uh, eventually no evenings. And there was a lot of people who were like, well, you know, that could only come on evenings. And they're like, well, actually, no, I do get a flex day once a month. So I could actually come during the day. So oh, that happened yeah. to me. Exactly. <laughs> when I officially said, I'm not doing that Wednesday evening anymore. And I was like, prepared for people to leave. They wow. said, well, I don't actually work Fridays. Yeah. <laughs> I've been struggling to do this Wednesday evening for five years. Yeah. Scared to <laughs> leave. Mental. Yeah. Yeah. Here's his corner. And it's funny, these little things that we get in our heads too, because I know there was the longest time I was like, well, I can't like go up Tuesday evening because this one client I have literally can only come Tuesday evenings. And then I was like turning away clients. and Like I love this client, but it was like, it was very, like it was hard for me because I had to get like a separate baby. Like it was a whole thing. And I was like, you know, this is ridiculous. (laughs) Like sometimes you have to let go of things and it can be hard, but sometimes you have to do it. It's really hard. And, and what I really find when I'm talking to hairdressers, le- letting go of them OG clients is the hardest. 100%. You know, 100%. The ones who have been with you since the beginning and, you know, they feel like they're a good client and you know they're a good client. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you don't want to work choosers anymore for your family or for whatever, your yeah. dog, whatever yeah. reason it is you're doing it, yeah. you don't have to. Yeah. And you will have to lose some of your favourite people along the way. I think the people that avoid that are the ones who get stuck in cycles that lead to burnout. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're sort of doing it for other people too much, this is how you get resentful. Because if you'd have carried on, you'd have got resentful of that person eventually. That's what I would like. Yep, absolutely. And uh, I definitely think that, like, even talking to stylists, I think there's a lot of that. And it's interesting now that you've pointed it out, I'm thinking back and being like, yes, resentful of clients. Like, that's a big one for sure. Yeah. So I think that's going to resonate a lot. On a Wednesday night, even though I offer it and I've never said I don't like doing it. It's just crazy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's kind of funny. So, okay. Can you share just one tip just, and this can be as general as you like Mm -hmm. that my listeners can apply to just start taking better care of their own mental health behind the chair, whether they're burnt out or not, just something that you can do to really, you know, just take a bit better care of yourself. I've got two. Yeah, then they're both quick and they're so easy. And so the first one is this. I suggest that people go for a walk in silence every day for 30 minutes. And let's say you're like, I can't do that. Okay, drive in silence. 
And people are like, hmm, maybe. And the thing is this, my reason is this. We have a tendency to do things like go for a run with a podcast on, have a podcast on in the car, have music on, whatever, whatever. And if we don't, if we allow ourselves to say, it basically is doing something that you can do on autopilot in silence, okay? So walking, driving, knitting, cooking, that sort of thing. What happens is it it busies up the front bit of your brain, which is like the um, prehistoric bit of your brain that's in, it's always like, "Ah, ah, ah," it's in panic mode. And so if you busy that up with like not tripping up on the pavement, the other bit of your brain, the big bit that's more modern, will start sorting out problems It'll be like, oh, what am I going to do with that colour correction on Thursday? Oh, I'll do that. I'll do this. What am I going to do with the kids? Oh, I've had that elf on the shelf. What are we going to do? You know, and all these things, the chatter, yeah. Um, yeah. your brain will start solving problems, putting them away in files and putting them on shelves. It's processing, okay? And if you do that, when you go to bed, you will sleep. Because what happens to a lot of us is we're like, and we have a word in the in England called mithered. Yeah. <laughs> it means like harassed. Yeah. Your brain yeah. feels harassed by yourself. And what would happen to me is my brain would hit the pillow and my brain would go, now, now, is now the time we're going to do it? Are we going to sort it all out now? Um, but if I went through all out here, it was me. If you find that time to let your brain process, your rest will be better. I used to wake up at three in the morning worrying about colour corrections. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, if I was to do it, I would w- w- uh, wake up worried about tech. I think right. I'd be worried about magnets and emails and God knows what. Um, but that's what would happen. So, my first top tip is find 30 minutes of silence a day. And so, it can be, you know, we can all find that somewhere. Walking is really the best. But I think driving's a really good second or, you know, going for a run, just doing your exercise without music on. That's the point. Okay, that's number one. Number two is kind of the opposite. (laughs) So number two would be, I'm going to write a post about this today, actually, for my Instagram. Sing like no one's listening in your car because this will bring your adrenaline down. Okay. Okay, so I believe that hairdressers live in high adrenaline. I was triple booked (laughs) for 29 years, more or less, for about 25 at least. And so I was spinning plates all day. I was putting on the show. I was doing colour correction, you know, all the things, managing three clients at once. My adrenaline was on five. And I did that so often and I didn't know how to look after myself. It didn't really ever come down past about three. Wow. I think for years I existed with adrenaline pumping around my body a lot. And so I always felt like I'd forgot something. It was like, I feel like there should be a crisis and I'm always trying to handle it. And and then also what happens when you have a lot of adrenaline pumping around your body is you get, that's cortisol. Now, if we have cortisol banging around our bodies for too long, we get sick is the quick version of that. It's not good for us. And I think this is what leads to um, burnout. We're so up and on as hairdressers and we're not learning how to come down. And so ways to bring your adrenaline down are that this is how I was taught, things you wouldn't do in a war zone. Okay. So people don't sing in war zones. It's not safe. People don't have sex in war zones. It's not safe. People don't do exercise in war zones. It's not safe. People don't dance in war zones. It's mad. Okay. Great. So these things are what you do. I know you're laughing. It's so true, though. I these love it. Things, 
What singing does or dancing or having sex or exercising, it tells your body that it's safe. And that's the key. It tells your body that it's safe and it doesn't need all that cortisol and it will bring it down. And so what I've, and it's so interesting because I've started doing this a lot recently. I sing in the, I used to listen to podcasts. I was all like, give me the information. I don't know. I listen to show tunes in the car and I sing. And it's been brilliant. So they're my top tips and my reasoning. That is brilliant. (laughs) I feel like there's so much in this episode that that my listeners can go and actually start applying. And I think you've not only helped us learn to kind of recognize the signs, but also some really, really great insights and advice on how to actually come out of it. So thank you so, so much for sharing your knowledge today, Haley. I I think this has been such a brilliant episode. (laughs) I Um, love doing a podcast. This is my happy place. (laughs) Well, me too. So (laughs) So where can my listeners go to find out more about you? Well, I live on Instagram, really. Um, I have a presence on Facebook, but honestly, I might not reply to you for like a month. I'm on Instagram. (laughs) That's where I live. And I reply really well in the DMs. So I'm it's the dot resilient dot hairdresser. But if you just put resilient hairdresser and I come up, I have a website with stuff on there as well. It's the same, the resilient hairdresser. Yeah, that's it. That's where I live. Amazing. We'll put all the links in the show notes as well. So it's really easy for people to come find you and okay. learn more about, you know, how they can start implementing those boundaries, prevent burnout. Mm-hmm. And yeah, again, thank you so much for being on the show. Today, Haley. I loved it. Thank you so much for listening in to another episode of the Hairstylist Rising podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you like, subscribe, and leave us a review. Be sure to check out our show notes for all of the links mentioned in today's episode. And if you want to get in touch with me and let me know what you're thinking, what you'd like to see on the podcast, or just share your favorite episode, send me a DM over on Instagram, either at Hairstylist Rising or at It's Jody Brown. I am so excited to see you back here, same place, same time next week. And until then, I am Jody Brown. I am your host and I'm signing off now. So thank you so much for listening to this podcast and we'll see you next week.